0: That's right. When you don't know what to do, just keep on breathing. From the City of Angels in Los Angeles, welcome to all my listeners out there in Radio Land. I'm Dave, the caregiver's caregiver at caregiverdave.com, along with my lovely co-host, former mayor of a California beach town and best-selling author of The Happiest Corruption, Sleaze, Lies, and Suicide in a California (laughs) Beach Town, Debbie Peterson. So excited. This is her debut as my new co-host. Welcome to the show, Debbie Um, Also coming to you live and on demand 24-7 on numerous syndicated radio and podcast networks on 26 global audio-video platforms, including iHeartRadio, iTunes, YouTube, Spreaker, SoundCloud, Vimeo, Stitcher Radio, Talk Radio, and there's just way too many to list right here. In fact, we're proud to be voted number one caregiver podcast of the top 50 on Player FM and number two podcast for caregivers on Feedspot and number two on CaringVillage.com. And we have an especially exciting show planned for you today. Author of Successfully Navigating Your Parents' Senior Years, Aging Life Care Specialist and CEO of Senior Living Strategies, Star Bradbury has helped thousands of families make educated and informed decisions as they navigate the world of senior living. And that is some rough waters to navigate. Uh, And senior healthcare, of course. And she has 25 years of experience in the industry and is founder of Senior Living Strategies and an aging life care expert. She specializes in developing resilient and flexible plans that promote independence and focuses on optimal quality of life for elders. But before we get started, I do want to take this moment to thank my last week's guest, Laura Linder, an eternal optimist and driven by her love to give, Her role as CEO is to continue to be her authentic self, to share her excitement with her team, to be grateful for, recognize, and reward the talent they have attracted, and to promote great talent from within. Her team is called Exclusively First Responders. Her promise is to set the standard for excellence with the highest quality care for team members, their clients, and their families to achieve optimal health and well-being. And just a reminder, you can watch or listen to that interview and all our interviews on our membership website, caregiverdave.com, or any of our other 26 global audio and video mention, uh, networks that I mentioned earlier iHeartRadio, iTunes, and the like. All right, enough of that. Star, welcome to the show. So great to have you thank on the you, Dave. Dave show.
1: Very excited to be here. And I, I want to thank you for inviting me because. It's pretty impressive what you've accomplished and how many (laughs) stations. I mean, that was a long, impressive list. And I'm happy to be included as one of your guests. Well,
0: thank you. And once a month, we also do a syndicated radio show that's heard on all 50 states and 135 countries on 75 channels. And that is a great show as well. Um, Well, I'd love to be on that, too. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe one day. (laughs) Maybe one day. That's right. So... um, I always like to ask my guests just who is Star Bradbury and why was she placed on this earth?
1: Well, I I, I have to uh, confess that I uh, listened to some of your huh? podcasts <laughs> and I heard you were going to ask me that, but actually I just, I wrote down the very first thing that came to mind and I can tell you it is, I am a fellow human being oh. on this journey in life. <clears throat> And uh, doing what I think we're asked to do, and that is to find a deeper and greater uh, purpose. Um, so that's my my metaphysical answer. Uh, in the in the uh, practical world, I'm a wife, a mother, a grandmother, a sister, an aunt, and then I'm an author and a consultant and a presenter who has a, a commitment and passion to help people. When they're dealing with the very confusing and challenging world of of aging parents and senior living and senior living options so that's i know that was a long answer but there you go
0: no that wasn't a long answer um we all have this in common that we all have parents who are aging yes. and some are uh not even around anymore my parents uh have both left my father died of alcoholism at 63. Ooh, yeah. I'm 69, so I'm doing better. I'm I'm the new approved <laughs> version of him. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't drink and I don't, you know, schlep around with uh, other women. But he was a great uh, father and a great human being and everybody loved him. And uh, I guess no one's perfect on this earth. And my mother had dementia in her final years and she passed mm-hmm. when she was 94 and so I'm familiar with uh, the topic. And now her sister, my aunt, who's, how old is she? She's um, 84. She's dealing with dementia as well. So my sister and I are helping her uh, as mm-hmm. caregivers. I deal with the medical stuff and the insurance and she deals with the finances and all the, the money that's coming in and managing it and so on. And, and so uh,
1: a lot on your plate still.
0: Yeah. Uh, Tell us about your parents briefly, uh, Debbie. Uh, Are you part of this group too?
2: (laughs) I I am. And Hmm. in fact, I I share the um, too much alcohol uh, situation. Mm. My dad died at 58 um, of a massive heart attack and he drank too much and smoked a little. And, um, yeah, that's a lesson for me. And like you, I, I drink very little I'd ever smoke. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> me uh, either. Never. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, it's interesting because I've observed over the years and my mother died, um, I guess, about nine years ago. And she was completely compass mentis when she went, which was a real gift. Um it was her body that gave out, not her mind. And, um, Mm. and it's interesting, though, because as I look at this, you look at these patterns, we've all three said, no, we don't drink, we don't smoke. (laughs) And, um, and the friends I have who exercise regularly, don't drink and don't smoke, are the ones who have still have very fulfilling, full, active work lives. And, and I think there's a lot to be said for that.
1: Yeah, well, I definitely include that in my uh, list of aging successfully. But Um, You asked about my parents, too. Well, my parents divorced and remarried, so I had two sets of parents, and they've all passed away. Mm. And so my 25 years in senior living is both a combination of my professional and my personal experience. And I'd like to say um, that I learned just as much, Dave, about what not to do (laughs) by watching the choices that my own parents made as they became older and had major health issues and didn't have the support team that we, that you really do need to age successfully. Mm-hmm. Um, and then with 24 years in senior living, I I met with thousands of families who were often thrown into a crisis where something happened and they, and they realized that their parents needed more help and they were, they just didn't know where to turn. You know, when I sat down to write the book, I was debating, mm-hmm should I write it for seniors, baby boomers, let's say, or any, anybody that falls into that category, or should I write it for the adult children? And I had a friend come to me and say, Star, you, we're the ones that need the help. By the time you're in your <laughs> 70s or older, you've learned a lot, but we're thrown into this and we don't know anything. Please write the book oriented uh, to help anybody with aging parents. But But then what you just mentioned, I must have 15 friends whose parents are still with them in their 90s. Some are doing fabulously and some are not. And so that's the fastest growing demographic in the United States today is 90 to 100. So the book has a a long arc, Dave, in terms of you could be in your 40s and trying to look at your aging parents or maybe in your 70s and still have parents in their 90s.
0: Yeah, they call it the sandwich generation, but in my case, yes. I'm the uh, the club sandwich generation because my wife <laughs> I'm caring for, and then my mother, and um, now my my aunt. And for those who have small children, it's the triple decker sandwich generation. You know, well,
1: yeah, that's why it's so stressful. Yeah, uh, and that's yeah. motivated me tremendously. You know, to help people, give them a guidebook to to learn where to start.
2: And one of the exciting things that you're doing is if you're addressing those of us who are doing the caregiving, uh, the baby boomers and some younger and some maybe a little older, um, you're now teaching us how to do it better for those who follow us. And I'd be really curious to know if there are things that we can put in place to avoid some of those crises that you that you mentioned a few moments ago.
1: Oh, absolutely, Debbie, because um, I The book starts out with um, the first section is called Developing a Plan, and it's really encouraging people Mm -hmm. to sit down and have a conversation with their parents long before there's a crisis. In fact, I tell people the time to start these conversations is before your parents even retire. And I don't mean the heavy conversations. I mean, sitting down and saying mom, dad, or whoever falls into that role for you, or that you might find yourself helping could, could be somebody you've adopted. I call it family of choice and mm-hmm. um, family of origin. But um, to sit down and say, what kind of a lifestyle are you thinking about? You know, when you retire, are you mm-hmm. thinking about staying where you are or maybe moving closer to, to me or another uh, sibling or another family mm-hmm. member? Those are soft questions that you can ask to begin the the conversation. Safe questions, yeah. Safe mm-hmm. questions, right. And, uh, you know, eventually, mm-hmm. hopefully, you th- those conversations evolve into things like, do you have a living will? Have you thought about who should be your healthcare surrogate? Um, do you know what the statistics are for seniors needing long-term care? Have you thought about how you're gonna pay for long-term care? Let's make a plan together. Let's yeah, get a have, conversation going.
0: Have you thought about when to stop driving? <laughs>
1: yes, well, that is a big, big issue. And and you know, it leads it leads into um a, a principle that I start out with that I think is a sort of a bedrock or framework that I want to create for people when they get my book, a step-by-step guide. And the principle is, really, I like people to start with this question, how can I maximize my independence, prolong my independence for the longest possible time?
0: Yeah, yeah. that's my I question. That, yeah.
1: yeah. And, and independence might mean different things to everybody, really. You know, I like to sit down with people and say, what does independence mean to you? But <clears throat> That isn't the question people start with. Yeah. Um, often they say, I'm just gonna stay in my home. I'm just gonna it's called aging in place. And my sort of soapbox is saying that you're going to age in place is nothing more than a statement, Debbie. It's not a plan. It's just says, right. Well, that's what I'm it doesn't and I so there's there's many layers to go through to be
2: prepared for somebody to age in place that- successfully. Obviously one of the things we can do is grab your book and and so you've mentioned it a few times but tell us the name of it again so that listeners can find okay. it.
1: I, I can it's a it's, bright uh, behind I can see you. It but behind it,
2: you. Mm-hmm. Yes, successfully navigating your parents'
1: senior years and it's says critical information to maximize their independence and make sure they get the care they need. And so often, what I see with um, families when there's sometimes I'll call it a broken dynamic in terms of communication, is um, children are afraid. Adult children, I know this from my own experience for when I with my own parents, and then as I getting older and my oh. own children, they're afraid to bring up these conversations, so they just don't. And and although I don't think it's only the adult children's responsibility, I also think it's the aging parents. Responsibility to say, let's sit down and talk about what's going to happen as I age, and I and I like to say, you know, don't we all plan for retirement? And the answer, of course, is yes. It's like asking a question where you know the answer, but then nobody wants to plan for what I call post-retirement, which is um, after retirement. And in right. my book, I call it I call it the go-go years. Right, <laughs> you retire and you're on the go and you're traveling, and then there's the slow-go years where things start to slow down, maybe there's not a major health problem, but you're not maybe traveling as much. And then there can be the no-go years, and nobody wants to plan for that. We have this cultural mythology that our parents are never going to get old. I can't tell you the number of times that people say, but my dad was just golfing last week five times a week. But he was 85 and not so resilient, And something happened, and things can change so quickly overnight. And my goal is to get people prepared. There's a long list in the book of critical financial documents, legal documents, uh, medical information that you can get long before a crisis. That would help you be prepared, especially if you're long distance. And how many people live near their parents anymore? Right.
0: And uh, some of the most sensitive issues I've found is the role reversal. All of a sudden, yes. uh, I'm feeling like the parent and they're feeling like the child and neither one of us likes that. And it's very and, uncomfortable and it can right. be very uh, abrasive. Uh, any tips to navigate those rough waters? <laughs>
1: yes. And that is principle number one. Let's go back to that. Because if you want to start a conversation where you're all on the same page and you're looking for agreement first in uh, in those murky waters of who's the parent don't tell <laughs> me what to do i'm not going to move i want to stay in my house you shouldn't stay in your house <clears throat> then it becomes divisive and you're on opposite sides of some discussion here that's why i say stay focused on this question mom dad I want to talk to you about maintaining your independence and maximizing your independence. Mm. Let's talk about what that means to you, because who is going to disagree with that? I don't care how old your parent is. They can relate to that question. Now you've opened the door to a conversation where you're on the same side, because guess what? Mm. The adult children also want their parents to be as independent as possible for as long as possible. Now, starting that conversation and arriving at a solution is terribly individual. You know, there is, there is no one solution fits all, but one of the questions you can start with is how strong is your support system? How am, how connected are you to your community Or your family, because the research shows, especially, and I know you both know this, after COVID, that being lonely and isolated is a very strong indicator for failing to age successfully and failing to age in place. So I say, let's sit down and look at how strong somebody's support system is. And really, how available are the adult children? Like you just said, let's say you're working full time. So is your partner. You've got young children in the house. You have aging parents. I really am supportive of the caregivers. Don't agree to a plan that isn't going to work for you. Just don't do it. It's going. If you know it's going to fail, don't invite your mom to come live with you. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I loved my mom, but I could take her for about three days. Yeah, and by man, God's I'll grace, I wasn't asked to to really be a caregiver. Actually, my mom passed away first and I brought my beloved stepfather up to six hours away to my town and to live near me and helped with him towards for the last six years of his life. And there's incorrect
0: uh, perceptions of the options that are out there. Like, for example, don't put me in a nursing home, you know, because everyone thinks of Nurse Cratchit. But uh <laughs> when I when I placed my mother into an assisted living place and I did my homework because you know there's good ones and there's bad ones Correct. and you know I wouldn't put my cat in the bad ones. But when you finally find a good one, um I says, Wow, this is a nice place. I wouldn't mind living here like Correct. right now if I wasn't married, because <laughs> they serve your meals, you know, that you have your own little apartment, you're all downsized, there's no yard to clean, and you have this community. And fun activities to do, you know, uh, singing at the piano or playing bingo or whatever. And it's your community, it's your La Boca Vista, to use a Seinfeld term.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well,
2: that is so important. Think think of it. I always think of it as the Grand Hotel. Um, I was really lucky. My mother was one of these people who planned everything. Mm. Uh, I didn't have to do it for her. I just assisted and helped her. And so she knew when the time was right to do the things she needed to do, we helped her. And one of them was to go into assisted mm. living. And she went into this wonderful facility. And it turned out that my... um my uh, mother-in-law also went into this wonderful same facility at different times but they were so happy there um because there was a great there were snack bars and there was a great room for dining where everyone could go dine or you could dine in your room or cook in your room you could have a guest bedroom so family could come stay it was you could even have a little pet Mm -hmm. um it, it it was a blast she had so much fun there um, she died very happy, and and when they when asked in her last days, what what would be the trigger for you feeling life wasn't worth living anymore? This is when she was in hospice, and it was when I can't play bridge anymore. Mm. And mm. and mm-hmm. you know, it, it because she just so loved hanging out with the other folks there and playing bridge with them.
1: Yeah. Well, I think you're right, Dave and Debbie, because the majority mm. of people don't really understand. Even what assisted living is and how it differs, they they sort of lump assisted living and skilled nursing and everything into one thing. Let let alone a full service retirement community. For example, I just met with yes. a a client last week who's in his mid eighties and he he was a widower. His wife had died seven years ago. Lived on twenty acres in a lovely big home, but he realized, and he's at first he said, "I'm going to stay in my home," and when we talked about The the concept of what does staying independent mean, and we talked about the importance of being socially connected, he recognized that this wasn't serving him, this was not going to maximize his independence, and I helped him make a decision to move to what I call a full-service retirement community, not even assisted living, because he didn't need assisted living, what he needed was supportive services, for example, He wasn't enjoying cooking and he wasn't eating well anymore. And then driving was becoming problematic. And so a full-service retirement community would provide meals, transportation, um, lots of social activities, lovely dining rooms, um, uh, even scheduled transportation. And that's just a retirement community. So the whole second section of my book is location, location, Mm. location. How do you find- what the options might be. How do you
0: find, Star, uh, a um, a good place, you know, because it's hard. It It's like looking for a needle in a haystack sometimes. It's not necessarily the place closest to you to be convenient for you. It's the place that's best for them, even if it's an hour drive away and it's harder for you to, to get there. Yes.
1: Yes, I think that's true. And I think it is. It's so easy to be bombarded if you start going Googling retirement communities. But I think. It it depends on what you're looking for. Don't make the mistake of um, I tell people if if an older person or a loved one is going to move, make sure they move to a community that has supportive services, not just um, a place where people golf and play tennis that are they're fifty five. Grow into up. maybe yes. with a memory so that, ward pro- attached. Correct. To it. And now <clears throat> now you know because there are full service retirement communities that also have. On the same site, assisted living or memory care. Now, if you add the skilled care component, that's what's called a life care community or used to be called a CCRC. That's continuing care retirement community. And I worked in one of the top national life care communities in the United States for 18 years. And I am enamored of the concept because you move it in a perfect world. You move into independent living, but as your needs change, they're able to meet those needs, either on a temporary basis after a setback or surgery or long-term, meaning a true life care community has assisted living, skilled nursing, and memory care, all right there. And 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 hospice care? A contract, yes. Mm -hmm. Almost almost any facility, even if it's a standalone Mm -hmm. assisted or standalone skilled often have hospice contracts and hospice can come in and provide end of life care or even palliative care. Mm -hmm. Um, But I'm a big fan of helping people recognize that perhaps aging in place isn't their best option. Why? It may not be the right environmental space, maybe downsizing to a smaller home or moving closer to kids. Or if they say, well, you know, life care communities are out of my financial range there are other options. consider building a tiny house where your your parents could live on your own property but have their own space, so again, they're maintaining their independence. But you know things are going to change over time. You've got to be adaptable
0: and people don't realize that if if their spouse was a veteran or they were, uh, oh yes, they pay for assisted living. Absolutely. And they don't advertise that, do they?
1: <laughs> well, you know, there's millions and millions of dollars worth uh. of veterans benefits that are left unused every year. And I tell people one of the questions I ask, were either of your parents in the service? And I'll tell you an interesting story. I had a, another friend whose mom and dad had been separated for uh, like 15 years, but they never got formally divorced. And it turns out that because uh, the the dad was a veteran. That even though they hadn't lived together in many, many years, but they'd never formally divorced, her mom was eligible for $5,000 a month to help pay assisted living. And so you, I always tell people, do not make assumptions about several things. One is veterans benefits. Go and talk to a skilled veterans benefits uh, uh, person who's going to be help, able to help you. And the other is don't make assumptions about Medicaid either. The rules change from state to state. Talk to someone who's knowledgeable, who can guide you as to whether or not you, you will qualify or eventually qualify. Yeah, and those are important, yeah. you important know, to
0: know. Um, We talk about red flags. When do we know that our parents, that it's time? Because we keep putting it off, putting it off, in denial about it. But what is a really red flag, uh, and we only have time for this last question, that would tell us that um, it's time to do something like now, you know, or yesterday.
1: Well, hopefully uh, you're not waiting for that crisis, which is why you should read my book. So you're a little more prepared (laughs) and you're not Um. waiting until mom walked out to the mailbox and fell and broke her hip. Uh, You know, if you see any number of things such as um, your mom or your dad used to be really neat. I mean, in their appearance. Right. And also social. Now you see them uh, wearing clothes that are a little dirty or um, they're canceling a point and they're not going out with their friends to lunch. Or you make a date with mom to have lunch and you show up and she goes, oh, oh, is that today? You know, where they're, you see they're starting to get forgetful. Um, you see bills piling up, mails piling up. You see loose pills. The other thing is, and I, I'm going to hold one up, you know, if you see a uh, post-it notes. Uh, when you people start to realize they're getting forgetful, I've noticed they'll put post it notes everywhere, constant reminders about their day and their daily lives. So those are, those are more red flags for cognitive impairment. Um, and you want to help somebody before there's a crisis, either because of cognitive impairment or because of their balance. You see them holding on to furniture as they're going from room to room or they their, um, their, you know, less and less balance, more and more balance issues, less and less steady on their feet. Um, And I want to tell people that, you know, just having somebody come into the home two, three mornings a week and providing some support and assistance might help somebody maximize their independence and stay at home for another year or two before they have to move.
0: You know, I I joke around that um, uh, I have... um, A uh, a policy, a long term care policy. One Mm -hmm. of the few people, you know, who's smart enough to do it in their late forties, early fifties. And so I tell my kids, you know, um, me too. uh, It can afford to put me in Malibu. And they joke and they say, "We'll put you in Pacoima because you won't even know that you're not in Malibu." But you hear about these cruise ships, you know. With a, a one year cruise, which is cheaper than a facility. And I'm saying, well, maybe I should do that, you know? And now uh what I'm doing for caregivers now is doing this Acapulco um mastermind training and retreat for the caregivers. And this would be a good thing for seniors as well, because you know, they've they've got a retirement, they probably have some money, they could probably go on vacation all the time. What a nice way for a caregiver and their parents or their loved ones to take a great vacation in Acapulco, which is what I'm offering, and to get all of the training to make them a better caregiver. And uh, if anybody wants to learn more about that, just go to AcapulcoDave.com. That's a shortcut to my Academy of Caregivers. And learn all about it and, and let me know. Um, but I think it's I, a
1: great I, idea. I think it's a
0: resource for you as well in what you do.
1: I I do. I think it's a great idea because it gives both the caregiver and the patient, let's say, um, the loved one that you're caring for, a chance to be together in an environment where they can both benefit and some of that stress is gone because. And um, who knows
0: if that may be the last fun that they have together, you know, because people just don't get away like they should.
1: No, they don't. And I see the caregivers getting more and more and more burned out. Uh, And when the focus is on the person who's ill, or the one that's being their needs are being met it's often the caregiver as you all know that's really stressed out and doesn't even isn't even in tune with their own needs i saw that with my own mom and my stepdad who was a caregiver and he just ignored so many health issues in order to take care of of her But I do want to invite people to go to my website because I have a lot of free resources, Dave. So people can go under, uh, it's www.starbradbury.com. Under the resources tab, Mm -hmm. I have built, honestly, practically a library of free resources. Things Mm -hmm. like what to ask when you're touring a retirement community. What to ask when you're trying to vet a home care or home health care how do you vet an assisted living or skilled nursing? What are the questions I should be asking to make sure that I get quality care for my loved one? And um, so I am helpful websites, uh, lists of books that are helpful. So I encourage people to take advantage of that so that they can use those questions, help vet them, the right community for their loved one.
0: That's great. I, I can't believe how fast the uh, time goes here. I know. Um, thank you so much for being on the show. Debbie, how can our listeners reach you if they want to get a hold of you? Uh, and see what you do?
2: Same thing. I have a website with a lot of resources for people who want to know how to navigate uh, local government and make it work for them. And that can be very relevant for people um, with caregiver issues. And the phone I saw that website is uh, Debbie Peterson dot com. D-E-B-B-I-E-P-E-T-E-R-S-O-N dot com. And Good. you find everything there. Awesome. And
0: remember to our audience, all our live shows become recorded pod and casts on all your favorite platforms. And my newly released book, Secrets from the Hammock, Uncommon Wisdom for Uncommon Times is spreading wisdom all over the world is available wherever books are sold. And also on my free membership website, caregiverdave.com. And if you join my Caregiver Dave Facebook community of 34,000 caregivers, where you'll learn all about my new caregiver wellness retreat and mastermind in Acapulco, that I offer to burned-out caregivers trying to keep as many of those uh, 30% of them who die before their loved ones do alive. And if you click or follow the button on whatever platform you're watching or listening to this interview on, it helps us reach even more caregivers by improving Google search engine algorithms. So thank you again, all my listeners out there all over the world for tuning in every Wednesday and making us the number one caregiver podcast on the internet. So until next... Until next week, (laughs) same time, same channel. May God richly bless you all. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Hey, everybody. It's Dave Nassani, otherwise known as Caregiver Dave. And I'm coming to you live from this beautiful Acapulco Villa, which I like to say is the perfect prescription for caregiver burnout. And I have a unique opportunity to bring 14 burned-out caregivers up here so that they can decompress and do all the things that they need to do. But this is just a bonus. It actually comes with the six month Zoom coaching program. It's a one-on-one consult with me, Caregiver Dave, to identify where you are and where you need to go. It's a six monthly small group coaching sessions to smash any obstacles between you and your ideal vision of what a caregiver needs to be and caregiver success. You get my three free books and instructions on boundaries, grief, self-care, organization, asking for help, learning how to say no, avoiding burnout, avoiding depression, avoiding perfectionism, avoiding isolation, avoiding resentment, delegation, team building, how to have fun, how to have no guilt, the importance of gratitude, and after caregiving when you're no longer a caregiver. But this seven-day bonus is absolutely free. It comes with the coaching program that you pay for. And the food is all-inclusive. I'm telling you, seven days and seven nights here is amazing. This is truly paradise. And I highly recommend it. For more information, go to caregiverdave.com. That's going to send you to my other website. And if you want a shortcut to get there immediately, just go to acapocoDave.com. Thanks again. I look forward to seeing you in Acapulco.
1: Sometimes it feels
0: like the sun will never rise, like the birds will never sing again.